Welcome back to Music Educated, a podcast designed to give young aspiring musicians perspectives from others in the music field so that they can start to navigate how to move into a musical career. Like always, my name is Tyler Mead and I'm the host for this podcast, and my goal is to present these conversations that I've been having with peers, mentors, and other professionals in the music field so that those young musicians have another resource that they can turn to as they begin to work through creating their musical career. Today we have an awesome episode as I have a conversation with a friend of mine, Nolan Weibel, who is also the creator of the Music Student Podcast, where he talks about so many varying topics within the music field. It's a fantastic podcast, and I highly encourage all of you who are listening to check it out. Now, I I just want to hop right into today's episode as a longer episode. So, without further ado, please enjoy episode 5 of Music Educated. Welcome to Music Educated, Nolan. Thank you for joining me uh, today. I can't wait to kind of get into this discussion about uh, your podcast, the Music Student Podcast, and kind of how we've kind of created our musical careers up to this point. So can you briefly tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your overall journey to where you are now in music? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like Tyler said, my name is Nolan Weibel, and I'm the founder and I get founder, I guess I'm host, uh, host of the music student podcast. Um, Tyler and I went to, Tyler and I went to undergrad together at uh, Westchester University of Pennsylvania. Um, so both I grew up near Westchester in Pennsylvania before Westchester. I actually went to the university of the arts for a minute. Like I went there for a semester and then I transferred my freshman year, finished my degree in trumpet performance at Westchester. And then I graduated in December of 19, and then I was kind of out working, playing gigs, and then I had um, an opportunity come up. Um, I saw an ad for a teaching assistant at Louisiana State University um, to the jazz department, the trumpet studio, and um, I just I wasn't looking to go to grad school at the time, but um, that just seemed really appealing. I just applied on a whim and got an interview, got an audition, and they offered me the gig, and I decided to take it. And so now I'm in the middle of my first semester here at Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge. So that's kind of where I'm at. Go Tigers. Yeah, go Tigers. They're <laughs> not doing so hot now. I, I missed – so that's like my master plan. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be telling the public this, but I'm just going to tell people I was here for the national championship year. But I, I, no one – I don't think anyone will, will question me. No one will know. No. Oh, yeah, I was there for uh, yeah. national championship. <laughs> How has uh, your first semester been going, it, especially during this kind of uh, – pandemic time. So talk a little bit about how you're kind of adjusting to a new program and to a new environment. Yeah, um, I have to tell you, I I really can't complain. I was obviously pretty skeptical um, about kind of starting this in the middle of just such crazy times. I know, um, you know, any type of higher education has been different for everybody right now, but um, mine's been pretty good. I've been very fortunate that what I consider to be like the most important parts of my music education have been very profitable. I've had my lessons have been a combination of in-person or online. And um, they've been very sensitive about like, we know this is tough for students. So they've like, I've had like extra time on lessons. I've had lessons with different professors too. So in a very short time, um, uh, the faculty really has just made the difference for me. So I really appreciate that. Um, 
we did delay ensembles for about three weeks. Um, mm. We started those like a week or two ago, and um, that's kind of been a slow a slow burn a little bit. Um, but I'd say the biggest thing that's negatively impacted is just that you know there's not as many gigs, not as many live, not, not a lot of live music going on in an area that is just usually so filled with it. So um, a combination of that and just finding it a little bit harder to meet students because obviously we're not seeing everybody every day is probably the biggest downsides. But um, otherwise, like I've really learned a lot. Um, the faculty has really just made a difference for me, and I've just enjoyed already being um, a graduate student and especially a teaching assistant too. That's been really cool. So. Yeah, I, I really can't complain. I've really enjoyed it. I'm I'm happy I did it. So yeah, it's been it's been a good first uh, month and a half or so here. Uh, that's good. I know the um, the challenge getting into the swing of things with grad school is um, challenging um, to a certain extent because it's a new environment. We've been in the same environment at our undergrad for so many years, and just having that change uh, really gets. Uh, you have to get used to. Um, I want to talk talk about your podcast, get you to plug your podcast, because it's an awesome, awesome sort of platform that you're giving um, different perspectives to kind of the same demographic I am, this early young musician to kind of find their way uh, in the music field. So talk a little bit more about your podcast and what led you to start it. Sure, absolutely. So like you said, um, my show is called The Music Student Podcast. And um, it's basically a show um, I, I really considered for everybody. And I, I was inspired to call it that, you know, it's not like the most creative podcast name ever, but I was inspired to call it that because um, I got to meet Doc Severinsen, um, the great trumpet player from the Tonight Show band uh, multiple times just through different, um, just at different conferences and stuff. And he's always really inspired me. But um, one thing he always talks about in like in interviews and master classes is that he's always a student and you can see it like he's always like that guy like he's 91 now and he's still practicing as much as he does he's still playing and he sounds amazing and I just think that's really the key to having a successful music career especially like that word career like like having longevity and having a successful like life in music I think the key to that is like you always have a student mindset like you should always be a student of what you're doing like you should never not stop you know you should never stop learning so that that was really kind of the uh, mission statement behind my podcast starting that said like you know this is to encourage everyone you know always have a student mindset so I try to appeal to a wide variety of audience but like you said I've really kind of honed in from the start here on you know, people like late in high school or like looking, considering going to school for music, uh, students in music, um, in music school, just anyone like in that kind of, I guess, like teen to mid 20s time, because um, I feel like there's a lot of uh, content like on like Instagram and podcast, too. That's all like really huge, successful people that have major orchestra jobs or like really great professors and teachers. And that's great. And I've, I love those podcasts. Like I'll, I'll plug one right now. Like the brass junkies for me is an amazing podcast. I love listening to it, but um, there's not always as much just talking about like how people got there or just like what that process was like. Cause also it's changed a lot. Like when yeah. you talk to someone who went to school in the sixties or the seventies or even the eighties, like, you know, it's only like 30, 40 years ago, but like so much has changed. And I think yeah. it's important as um, someone in school to be aware of things like that and just aware of the music scene in general. Because, you know, like it's always changing. And um, I just think the demands of being a student and going to school for music has is it's really gotten high. I think it's changed a lot. And so it's just kind of like me talking about 
my experiences, things I think would be helpful to anybody. And I try to keep it as universal as possible. Like I really try and talk to people who are outside of school too. And so I try to keep it, um, I guess like pretty, I guess almost general and vague. So it can be applicable to anyone, but, um, yeah, the, the mission statement behind the show was really that, you know, we should always be students of what we're doing. Yeah. And the podcast that releases right before yours. So it released last week. Um, we, we talked about, I talked with um, some current first and second year undergrad students in music about kind of what they've experienced. And that's something that we kind of discussed having this, this growth mindset, this student mindset. And we talked a lot about um, making sure we're thinking about progress over perfection mm-hmm. um, and, and keeping music fun and keeping music um, close to them so they're not trying to um, like compare themselves uh, to others and grow at their their own rate so i think that's kind of just this whole um, premise of what we're doing is try to help students grow in what they do for sure in music Um, how did you kind of decide on what topics you wanted to talk about on the podcast I know you probably have so many interests in jazz and performing and gigging and marketing. How kind of do you kind of narrow your focuses down for each each week? Yeah, um, I really tried to keep it pretty organic. I really, um, I just keep a like a running list on my phone, like of just all this stuff, and I kind of do it like how I started to um, write music and compose. Like for people out there, they know that feeling where like they're just they can be walk around or eating breakfast, or whatever. It's like, oh my gosh, that'd be a great idea for this. So if I something just pops into my head, I write it down like that could be a podcast episode, and then I kind of go through them later and you know decide what what could be a good topic and what wouldn't. But I, I keep them all like everything I talk about is in some way an experience I've had. Um, in some way, shape, or form. So I, I generally keep it pretty organic. Um, I think what has been helpful for me is just because I felt like I had a little bit of a diverse um, experience, at least going through undergrad, because I kind of came into college, like I like I felt like more of a jazz musician, but I really wasn't that authentic about it. I still don't totally consider myself a real jazz musician because there, there's just a lot of people that play on another level than I do. But um, I was doing a lot of, I started to gig more when I was an undergrad, but I spent like my studies doing like classical music and learning that. And it's just, I was really um, shocked at how different music and academia different differs from the music scene in general, like in working and freelance musicians. Like it's yeah. just, it's really different. It's a really different scene in both areas. And I felt like that wasn't being talked about a lot in academia. And that just kind of inspired me. I said like, you know, it'd be good to have like a mixture of both, you know, especially because that's the goal. I mean, like the whole point of college is like a stepping stone to launch you into a career that you hopefully want to go into. So I really just try and keep my topics from experiences like that. It's like, well, I was working on this. I know this can get hard. Like I had one on, I have one I'm writing right now just called burnt burnout. And, um, I, I experienced that a little bit, but, um, I know that's a really like really popular topic and a little and a very common struggle for a lot of students in just in college in general, but uh, very specifically in music school. And there was another one um, they just put out, I, uh, I think it was last week that was all about getting nervous and do with like performance right. anxiety. And I'm not, I mean, that's something a little different because I don't personally, like I even say like, I don't struggle with that as much. Like I definitely mm-hmm. get nervous. Like it just, it happens to all of us, but um, I never felt like at least in my like semi-professional career here, that it's totally plagued me. 
as but um it was really apparent to me in undergrad that this is a huge issue and it's getting worse too so i try and keep it a mixture of things that are relatable to me but also that i see that a lot of other people are struggling with or that's affecting other students somehow so i'll, I'll keep it like stuff that like affects me but I'll, i will try and kind of pull people too and see what's Popular. Like I did one like on five year degrees too, because that I mean like at our undergrad that was a huge thing, and it's, it's becoming a huge thing at Westchester and yeah. everywhere. I yeah. know um, Syracuse University now has, or not now, but they have a program for music ed that's a one year masters. So you take that fifth year and just get your masters. Yeah, um, UArts has something like that too. I, that's interesting. I didn't know other schools did that. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, mostly because New York State requires uh, teachers to get their masters oh. anyway. So if you get it early on, spend that fifth year there, mm -hmm. then you're you're kind of done with that uh, that kind of realm. But yeah, it's it's interesting to kind of talk with the students last week um, about what their kind of perspectives are going into the music field mm -hmm. uh, and what they were looking for in their um, studies in undergrad. Um, one person mentioned that they really wanted to find a professor that was current and up to date with the times, like not just stuck in academia for 30 years, <laughs> not being, not being willing to change and adapt to, to the times. And I think that's, something that I think we're searching for now in our culture, our society now is someone that can understand what we're going through now and not just reflect on what they went through 30 years ago when they're in grad school. Yeah. And that's, and that's a tough thing. Like I know it, I feel like sometimes it can sound like that I'm like ripping into that a little bit and I'm not, I just like, I, I know, I know you're not either. It's just like, you know, people are trying to be objective. And then the reason, like I even thought of like ideas like this, because at the end of the day, you have to think about it. Like you have, you know, 17, 18 year old kids making like one of the biggest financial decisions of their life. Like when you really think about it, it's the biggest financial decision you'll make probably until you buy a house, if you even buy a house. And even then your house, like your house you buy could be less expensive than your college tuition, which is absolutely. And yeah, I was crazy. in class and we were talking about this kind of concept. Students are now, kids are now thinking about college and what they want to do when they're like, 12 because they kind of have to at this point just to keep I was going to say like I feel like you have to like if you really want to make an informed decision like you you have to start thinking like super it's, young it's so crazy to think about a 12 year old trying to plan out their career when they're in sixth seventh grade yeah, when they're going through they puberty. Have, exactly like <laughs> they have so many different thoughts going through so many different challenges that they have to go through why are we burdening burdening them with such a large decision in their in their life? I think we just need to. That's why these kind of resources, our podcasts, are really really useful, or can be really useful for uh, high school students and pre college students to kind of understand what they kind of need to expect uh, going into our field. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah, and it's funny. I forget like what the. Uh, the sciences isn't like the human brain not fully developed until like 23 or 24. I forget. Yeah. But like, you know, I know you're a legal adult when you're 18, but your brain doesn't stop like developing until a certain age. Like, cause I mean, we all know, I mean like when you're an undergrad, you're between 18 and 22, like, you know, you do ridiculous stuff and everyone has. And now we're asking people to make these huge 
financial decisions with their lives. And in like, I think again, like also like on that topic of why I started a podcast, because my parents were not musicians. Like I come from no musical background and I'm the oldest of three siblings and we're all musicians. And it was really difficult for my parents because they had no idea what things were like. And, um, I think as I've just gotten older, like you realize like how tough it can be to navigate a career in this field because one, it changes a lot. And two, it's just like, you know, it's, there's a lot more supply than there is demand. And, you know, especially after this pandemic, I mean, like God knows what's going to be like on the other side of this. So that's a whole nother thing, but it's, it's just things like that. And it's not trying to be negative. And I think that's what I try to do is that it's not me trying to discourage people by any means, but like, sure. I think if you're going to make a hundred thousand dollar decision to do something, you should be aware. And that's all. And I think that's the challenge. And I don't, you know, I don't look back because I definitely had a lot of people, like not a lot, but I, I had, I, I did have teachers um, that I ran into that were like really cautious about me going to school for music, but I just didn't really get it. And I don't blame them for like almost scaring me into it because I think it's a difficult task trying to be objective and inform without trying to push an agenda or like put your personal feelings into it. I think that's really difficult to do, but like I want to try. Because I, I think it's important. Like, you know, absolutely, if you're passionate about something, that's what's going to lead you to success. I still believe that's totally true. And I still believe that, you know, if you're a dedicated, work, you know, really hard practicing musician, you'll still be okay. I, I still stand by that. But that doesn't mean there aren't challenges or things like that along the way that you should be aware of. And one of those is, you know, if you get a performance degree and you go to a private school, I mean, a state school can be expensive too, but especially if you go to a conservatory or private at school with not a lot of um, scholarship or tuition assistance, you're going to be, you know, pretty significantly in debt. And for, um, you know, a career field that does, it takes a long time to pay out. And it's just, it's just something to be aware. That's, that's the only way I try to go about it. And you're totally right. Like, you know, we're asking kids to think about this at, you know, 13, 14, like this ridiculous age, you know, you know, I was not thinking this kind of way when that was that young. So I, I totally agree with you. It's starting to get a little, a little crazy. Well, I, I think, I think I definitely was thinking about wanting to uh, be a music teacher when I was in middle school, seventh, eighth grade. Um, but I, I think I had more support from music teachers in, in my district um, than some people do. And some people don't even have that support from their parents because their parents see this career as something that you can't make money off of or make a living off of. Um, so I, I'm incredibly thankful that I had those kind of support systems to help me uh, through the process of getting to music school and creating this sort of musical career. Um, I want to kind of talk about um, like what issues do you kind of see in the music field that you wanted to highlight in your podcast? Um, you've talked about in episodes about advice for high school students. Uh, was that to give like a perspective on some of the misconceptions around music school or what other challenges or issues do you see in the music field that you wanted to kind of talk about? Yeah, that episode I really just highlighted um, kind of what we were just talking about a little bit, just, you know, the aspect of uh, the financial decision, just to kind of make people aware that, you know, like absolutely this is an education thing, but there is an education business. Like they are, like these schools are in, it's a business. They are in the education business. It's about marketing and recruiting and trying to get people to come to school. 
And I, I think, you know, you need to be aware that they are salesmen and you are, are the customer. And that, you know, I, I, that's not to say that, you know, there's not great faculty or great teachers because there absolutely are. And there's great schools with great programs. I really don't have anything too bad to say about the institutions I've attended. I've had a great time. I think it's been worth it. But I think it, it goes along that same line of what I was talking about, that like you need to be aware. Like, because I think I went to all these schools, like I auditioned at five or six schools and I was just asking questions like, you know, like, are, are you going to take me on gigs? Like, what are we going to do? Like, mm -hmm. are we going to like just a lot of like playing stuff? And I look back, I'm like, God, I probably sounded like an idiot because <laughs> I was just really interested in like playing and like how many different ensembles can I play in and all this stuff. And that's all important. But, you know, you, you kind of need to have at least an idea of what direction you want to go in, which is like, like we've talked about, it's really tough to have at 17 years old, but you know, you still need to have an idea. So I, that, that episode in particular is just to kind of get high school kids thinking about, you know, what they want to do, where they could see themselves going and then to approach the decision just as objective as possible being like, what's going to be best for me? You know, what's going to help, what's going to challenge me? What's going to help me grow? Like, cause you don't want to pick like, in my opinion, like a super cushy school. It's like, oh, I know this, like I'm super close to home. Like I know like I can do well in the studio. I'm like, that's not, that may or may not be the best thing for you either. But like, I, I just to get kids thinking about that and thinking about like, okay, like if this is $20,000 a year or whatever, like what's this going to lead to just different things like that and start get them thinking along that track. I think um, that kind of leads nicely into what the other, uh, I guess like big, I guess like mission statement I'm on um, in terms of like talking to people about, which is kind of being an entrepreneur in college and the, the side of the, the business side of being a musician, like, like just making money simply it can be anything. Um, and this is something I wish I explored a lot of people. I was very fortunate. Like a lot of people talked to me about this when I was in high school and stuff. Cause I was more in the jazz stuff. Like I, I did play orchestra and stuff in high school, but I, I, did more jazz camps. I did hung out with more jazz people. And they're the ones that did more like gigging, like gig to gig. Right, right, and they would, they, and they would talk about this a lot, like the financial side of it and the type of like, just like how to market yourself and be a self entrepreneur. And so I always kind of had that in the back of my head, which I was lucky to. And I probably didn't start capitalizing on until I was like a sophomore, junior and undergrad. But um, th that's also something I think I would like to see more college undergrads start wrapping their head around. I'm not saying that they go start selling like real estate like the next day, but just, you know, start being aware of like the, how to make money in this industry. Cause it's a, in, in my opinion, it's a completely different skill. Like I felt like I was a good player at Westchester. Even when I graduated, I don't know if I was the number one in that studio, but like, I, I know I gigged the most out of anyone there over my four right. years Definitely. and that, yeah. And that wasn't like, and I don't walk around with like a, a bronze medal in my chest. I just like, but I'm proud of it. Cause like I hustled for it, but I knew I wasn't always the best trumpet player. There were gigs where I'm like, I know I need to play better to sustain this stuff, but I worked to get there, but I, I knew how to do other things. I really know how to make connections and be nice to people and how to market myself. And that was a, that's been a really useful skill for me. And I think that's something I would like to see personally, at least um, more students in undergrad start to wrap their heads around because it like, like we, we said, in my opinion, music and academia and then like the freelance scene is just, they're different scenes. It's really, it's different and it's important to understand both. Now, like if you want to have a career in academia, that's fine. Like it is, you know, you want to hang out with more academic people. Like that's totally cool. But you know, if you say like, yeah, I want to win an orchestra gig and I want to do this, I want to play in a wind ensemble or whatever. And you've never played outside of your school orchestra or band, then, you know, it's, 
it's tough to get those kind of things because you don't know what those auditions are like. So it can be, I, I guess I'm just, I'm trying to push students to get more out of their comfort zone. Like just go, like go take a military audition and go try and go through the rounds and see what that's like. Um, you know, if you're a classical player, you know, get like your, your commercial chops together, learn some pop tunes, play like a cocktail hour gig, play a gig at a bar, just try and just do something different and see if you like it. So I guess it's just more opening up people's horizons. Cause you know how it is. Like how many people just talk about, Oh, I want to play in this band or that band or an orchestra. And they're like, have you ever done anything else? Have you ever, do you even know what it's like to do that? So I, I think that's the, the other thing. At least that was always the big thing that I was always thinking in school is that like, man, people sometimes can really put themselves in a bubble. So I think that's the other big, big thing on my mind. Absolutely. Um, before I move into that career side and talking more about how you market yourself. I do want to challenge one thing um, that I, one episode of your podcast, just to kind of have this um, constructive kind of dialogue that we desperately need in today's society. <laughs> and that was um, with the music technology uh, episode mm -hmm. where you went, I totally agree that with your entire list, the five things that we need or should kind of have in in this kind of field. But I want to talk about like, what about those who can't afford these sort of technologies? I think it's safe to say that like the reason why there isn't a lot of diversity in music education and in higher education is due to kind of the accentuation of people needing something special or expensive to be an active member in the field. Um, and I think this only perpetuates like the divide between people of different socioeconomic status, uh, statuses and other diverse identities. So how do you think we can start to kind of change the stigma that music is an exclusive field when we should really start to push for that diversity in, in our field? That's it's such a great point, and um, it's definitely something I'm negligent about at times because you know I just I had my upbringing like you know I haven't I've only lived one life, but um you're you're so right, um and that's why I did I tried to list a couple things like in terms of like like for yeah. example I talked about a like salt like composition software like Muse Score is totally free, um you know so that that's just one thing off the bat, but even something like I was talking to a music teacher who teaches in Lancaster and I was asking him about um how online teaching was going. He's like, well, like, you know, I gave them all laptops, but half the kids don't have internet, you know? And cause that's just a situation. And I, that just like never occurred to me. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I don't, you know, so it, it's, it's really, really tough in terms of like, just like, you know, I'll, I'll just start with like physically getting resources. Um, this sounds so ridiculous, but I've actually found it to be true, man. Libraries are an awesome resource. There's really there, like public libraries where you can go for free. Like you can go, to those places sit on a computer there you can download a music score and you can compose right there for like all day if you wanted to um i know that that might be like a safe answer out but i really find like that's why we have those we have public you know state funded resources like that for a reason um if you can't have access to an education like that do that and then the other thing i would recommend um in terms of what you're talking about like in socioeconomic and you know especially trying to find more diversity anyone out there that's like struggling with that if you want to play like a certain musician or if you want to play at a certain level and there's someone you admire go take a lesson with them and i'll give you like a couple examples um first of all most college professors especially that I, i've just from a short time being down here in baton rouge that i've met like i just sat in on a gig last night with um the sax professor here who's one of the jazz directors 
and he was playing in a traditional jazz band so it's like clarinet banjo um cornet it was really cool like traditional like 1920s new orleans jazz and it was all amateur musicians and like and it was in like an outside like in a neighbor in a residential neighborhood and he teaches some of these kids private lessons and this is a college professor but he teaches like middle school kids like i guarantee you if you're like someone out there and you do not have access um like or the financial stability to go to school for music which by the way you don't have to take lessons from someone and just ask like even if you they'll probably give you one free one at least it's like hey can i just take a lesson with you like doing something like that really goes a long way and i'll i'll give i'll like kind of name job now because something um i i got this speech like through like a youtube video one time that i was watching on i think it was a podcast they were interviewing just really big brass musicians and chris Bode was on one and he was talking about um before he played with sting and he was living in manhattan for a little while and you know when people would come into town like this is before like the internet he would like write people letters like like fats navarro came in with his band one time and he like wrote him a letter say hey like i'd really love to take a lesson with you and like he would go and do that so that inspired me i emailed chris Bodie's tour manager i said hey i'm coming to see you in like two months like i'd love to like chat and meet with you if i can and they emailed back like yeah sure that'd be great and i got backstage passes like uprooted seats and he had no idea who i was and i got to hang out with chris Bodie this like awesome trumpeter for like 20 minutes and I got like upgraded tickets. It was great. It was, that was like a life changing experience for me that was super helpful. So, you know, it's one of those things, like I always say, seek and you shall find. And it's, it's, it's hard for me to say that because I know like we're, we're not all in this game on a level playing field and you know, it's, it's tough, but I think the biggest piece of advice I give to anyone out there is just ask, like ask people to help you. I mean, that's, that's honestly, it's why I have the podcast. Cause I mean, it's, I mean, assuming you have, like you pay the subscription to Apple or whatever, Spotify, it's free. Like I don't charge for it. Like I have a Patreon, you can donate to me, but like, you know, and I, I don't have sponsors yet. Like it's totally, you can listen to my podcast for free. So, um, you know, I, I really believe like seek and you shall find, you know, a- ask people for help is I, I think that is one of the great, I know we've kind of like not negative stuff, but we've kind of like talked about some stuff like that. But um, one of the great parts about being a musician and being in the music field is a lot of the people are really awesome. Like, yeah, it's got yeah. bad people in it. But I think I, I think you would agree. Like most of the people we meet in this field are really just they're real people. Like and they yeah. really I like they generally care about others. And, you know, they love what they do. No one's in this for the money. You know, we want other people to do this and we want people to be happy and be successful. So, you know, if you're struggling in a way where you find that you're having a hard time getting resources, you know, go to like, like public sources are great, like libraries and different things like that. And then talk to professors, teachers, just email them, call them. Like they will, like I, I, I did that when I was looking at colleges for undergrad. Like I took like five or six lessons with professors. I never went to their school, but now they're contacts for me. So that's probably what I would, I would recommend. And, you know, it, it's tough. Like there's not a one size fits all answer to it, but you know, if you want to do something out there, you know, just start looking for ways to do it. And honestly, like things like that, like learning organically from a teacher without a college setting sometimes might be better. So that's just my take on it. (laughs) Yeah. I I just kind of wanted to bring up the conversation. So we kind of have this and present this to uh, my audience and whoever is joining um, this idea that music is not exclusive. We, there are resources for everyone. It's, just about finding them and finding the right people that will help support that. And that's all what Music Educated is about, is having these conversations with different people so we can present different ideas and different resources to people. 
And it's so necessary too, because like you said, I think what you said is the biggest thing. Like it, it can be hard to find, and um, that that's what we need to change, and that's what you know we're trying to change. And um, you know, I this is like so cheesy, but I had this really old choir teacher in high school who always told me like it takes a village, and it's got to start in your home, and that that it's just always been it's always really resonated with me, and it's just very true. Like you know, people ask like how do we solve these issues? Like how do we make you know, provide equal opportunity for people and different things like that. And I'm like, it just has to start with you. And then you have to start having conversations with other people about it. it's like, what, what can we do? Like we, we've been really lucky. We have these situations. It's like, what can we do? And that's, you know, why, you know, we, we both, in our case, we have podcasts. Like I do lessons, like I just all different stuff like that. And I also just like, I'm like, I'm an open guy. Like my email's public out there. If you have questions or you want help or want to know something like, just ask me, like, I don't, I'm, you're not bothering me. So I, I think that's a great mission you got going on there. Yeah. Um, now I do want to move into the career side of music and how you've started to um, market yourself and create a career. I know you perform in numerous like ensembles and groups, uh, and now you have this podcast that people can donate to via Patreon, but it's not something that you necessarily profit off of regularly. Um, so how have you kind of begun to market yourself in all these facets in music? Yeah, you know, um, I think it's it's a slow burn and you just have to, I, I think the first step for me when I got to Westchester was just finding, it was kind of what I just said earlier, it's finding the people that are doing what I want to do. And I tried to find the people that were playing and were doing the types of gigs I felt comfortable with and that I could do. And so like just to name drop, it was people like Mike Talento, uh, Cliff Moore and Eric Miranda, Tom Lombard. Yeah. Um, all, all those great guys that we went to school with and, uh, you know, it, it, it just really spirals. Like I, you know, uh, played a gig with Mike and I think Mike told Tom that I did okay. And when Tom started working for this company, Windish, he called me for a gig there. And in that horn section, I mean, I met a guy named Connor Devlin who runs big boy brass. I subbed for them for about four to six months and then I became a permanent member before I left and came down here. So and that was that all took place. I mean, that took a year though. Like that was over. Like it was not like it just happened overnight. And that's something I think that's important to say when I talk about this. You know, um, it, all this stuff I'm talking about just doesn't happen in a week or a month. It, it's just you know, it can be. It starts out with like one gig a month or one gig every two months, and then like it just goes from yeah. there. Um, so it, it's similar to what I just talked about. Like you have to just start looking for the things that you want to do. Um, there's definitely ways to prepare for them. I think that's the next thing I'll talk about. Like, you know, if you want to do, like I, I worked a lot specifically in like commercial and pop and rock and like some light jazz. Um, cause that's what I was just, um, I was just good at that. That was one of the things that it came pretty naturally to me. I love like really like classic rock and pop and like, like seventies funk. Like I love that stuff. And I just like pop music too. And I'm not afraid to say it. Like I love Bruno Mars. He's awesome. Yeah. So, um, that stuff came very naturally. It was just fun too. So that that was really cool, but um, when I was getting more, like some more serious gigs, like I made, um, I only played with them for like I think a month before I left, but it was on um, EBE Entertainment in Philadelphia with their wedding bands. But I really had to make sure I was like prepared for that, and I was because I had spent a year and a half prior playing in someone else's wedding band, develop it, like learning the repertoire, you know, and like getting like physically like getting my range together. So that's something to consider too. If you're someone out there who wants to start doing things like that, like make sure you can do the job. Like I didn't take things I didn't feel like I could do. Um, so there was that. And then I think the biggest thing I can say, 
um, is got like be nice to people. Like your attitude is such a huge thing. I, 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 you know, I feel like it sounds like really generic, but it is probably one of, if not the most important thing, you know, just have a good attitude, you know, be professional, but be a person too. Like, you're just like, you're, we're playing music. We're not like curing cancer. Like just have fun with it. And just, you know, I, I don't know. Like that was just such a big part of it for me. It was just like, you know, be, be cool about it. And that, that helped me a lot. Um, I think in terms of, I think that was probably the biggest thing that helped me out in terms of marketing, I guess I didn't do like, I know like one thing that's kind of getting popular is like, um, like there's this drummer I follow. His name's David Cola. He plays out in LA. Like he gets like gigs to Instagram now. Cause he kind of made his, like, mm. um, his way through that. Like, like the social media craze is huge. Um, that's definitely a way to do it. I didn't do that. Like I'm trying to kind of play catch up there, honestly. Um, but you know, YouTube, Instagram, like socials are really important thing nowadays. Um, and don't just have, like, I feel like a lot of people start one and then they post like once every two months. Like if you were to start, like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, cool guy trumpet, like on ins- at cool guy trumpet on Instagram, like don't just post like once in a while and the rest is like cat videos or something like really like make, make the page what you want it to be and try and go about it. Cause there's, there's certainly a way you can do it through there too. Um, so that, that's something I would recommend, like, especially if you're younger, like, I think that's definitely kind of where the industry's going a little bit too. But in terms of like the gigs I developed in, in Pennsylvania, it was really just, um, being, like I said, being prepared, um, seeking the right people who I wanted to play with and then just being nice and professional. And then obviously, um, the, the last thing I'll say about that is I'm trying to be as consistent as possible. Just yeah. try not to have, I mean, and like, I'll tell you, like, I've had plenty of bad gigs. Like I've had plenty of times where I've walked away and like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to get called for that again. It just, it happens. And it's just all about shaking those off and learning from it and going to the next one and hoping that goes well and trying to find out what that is and, you know, repeating it basically. So, um, I, I would say like doing things like that is probably the biggest thing you can do, but in terms of getting started, cause that's obviously I think the hardest part, um, find the people that are doing it. Like, like, and, and, and it's the same thing I said with the professors, like email them, call them. Like it's not, you know, I, I've gotten gigs that way. I've emailed bands say, Hey, if you ever need to sub, hit me up. And there was a really great, it was like a non-professional, but it was a big band. And they, like I could, they said, you can rehearse with us whenever if we ever have an opening, you can just come in and sub. And they were like, 50 75 dollar gigs um for a big and but it was a big band like i like how often do you get paid to play with a big band and that was just it was fun like and it was never on nights where i didn't have gigs like they were like wednesday and thursday night gigs so it was great like you know when i really got busy i could play a big band gig on a thursday play a wedding on a friday night and then you know play it like there was a rock band i, did, I recorded an album with called the groove merchants so i would do a recording session on a saturday and i'm like and that's how i started to do stuff like that i'm like this is awesome i love this so um, yeah, just, just looking for the types of things that you want to do is, is a great start. And then, like I said, just be a good person and, you know, like just be, be yourself and have fun with it and try and be consistent and, you know, hopefully you should be okay. <laughs> yeah. One, one thing I always, uh, look for, um, uh, several times I've been asked to kind of find other performers for like musical pits and other things like that. And one thing I find is the best ability is availability. Oh and yeah. Like I need you to be dependable or else I'm just not going to hire you again. Like yeah. I can, I can understand if you don't have the best show or the best performance or you don't do as great. But if I know that you're going to be there working hard every time then I'm going to give you these chances over and over again. 
just because I know you're dependable. I know that you'll be there and I don't have to worry about last minute trying to find someone to replace you. Yeah, um, that's such a great point. And like you made a good point about like any type of pit gig, anything from like a local theater, a high school, like whatever the pit gig pit gig is. Ugh, um, <laughs> it is such a good place to learn gig etiquette because yeah. you have to do like like show up to like show up early. That's the biggest thing. And show up too early, like like show up an hour, hour and a half. Like just it's like just do that. Um, talk to the director that hire you, like, like actually have a relationship with them, talk to the people in the pit sitting next to you, have a relationship with them. And not even just to make connections and be nosy, but just like make friends and be polite. Um, do come over prepared, like bring you two don't need, bring stand lights, bring like, I brought like power adapt, like just bring, have extra stuff. Like I have like a gig bag in my car full of extra music stands, clothes, cl- like whatever I need. Um, that you just like, like sparked an idea. And what you said is so true. Have like availability is the best type of ability sometimes. And then the number one thing that I should tell people out there is that if you start doing, even if it's not like a super serious gig, but if, if someone gets you a gig, like if you're a sax player and a sax player gets you a gig, if you ever get, have a gig and you can't do it, you call that sax player that first got you that gig. That is a huge thing to keeping relationships. I found, yeah. like, especially even like right now, what I even trying to do in Pennsylvania. Like, there's a, I, I had a gig offer that was, I think it was like in Virginia. Someone wanted me to do a wedding and I couldn't do it. Like, I didn't, I don't really know anyone in Virginia that could have done it anyway. But I called this guy that's gotten me gigs before in PA. I'm like, I know it'd be a drive, but I just wanted to offer you this. It's like little things like you said, and like something like that makes a huge difference in sustaining. Once you do start to string some big gigs together, and now you can't do some you know, thank the people that helped you get there. That is a huge way to keep working. Yeah, it's it's what you were saying earlier about just be nice. Be yeah. nice to people and have this sort of positive energy to you. Um, there's so many people I haven't hired for these gigs before because I know that I just don't want to work with them. Yeah. like, And that might be... I mean, they, they were probably better players than the people I hired, but I'm just like, I want to have a good energy and a good vibe to what we're doing. So I'm going to hire um, people I know that are going to support um, that kind of mission and that kind of um, that energy. So absolutely. Um, big question for people in the music field, especially education, and as we go through um, colleges, how we balance music with interests outside of music. Um, How do you, what kind of interests do you have outside of music? um, And how do you kind of balance that so you're not going insane trying to worry about every single single thing going on? Yeah, it's a a tough one. you know, I'll start with an easy part of this. Like, I definitely have, like, hobbies and things I like. Like, I love sports. Um, so, um, I love sports. I probably love film, too. Like, I've really gotten into And I'm, like, a Star Wars geek. But I love movies. I love film. I like, like, just different media like that. I love, like, content. Like, I really, like obviously, I have a podcast now. But, like, I got – the reason I started a podcast because I got into YouTube videos and podcasts. So, like, I have stuff like that. And I think the key to that is um, just knowing the roles they have in my life, like – um, like I moved down here to Baton Rouge. Like I can't watch Eagles games right now because I don't have, you know, I don't even have cable. And like I didn't want to, it was like, okay, I could pay 50 bucks a month for this package or I could, 
spend that on something else on like you know that i need like music related and i just like i had to tell myself it's like okay like i'm just not gonna watch this i can listen to it so i get like just knowing the roles first and foremost like if you decide that music's gonna be your career in your life just you always have to know um that that takes precedence um and i'll give like a little spoiler i just had i literally last night just had an idea for a podcast episode about this um it's just about like making good decisions as a musician like if you want to be serious like you know uh, if, if you know that you have an opportunity to go to like a jam session, for example, but someone offers to go get a beer with you, you know, which one are you doing? And I, I'll tell you, like, it took me probably, I was till like, I, I don't know, maybe 21, 22, maybe even later to make those decisions like consistently and correctly. Um, and it's not to say like, you can't like bounce it out. Like, I think there is something to be said. You need to give your brain a break. Like mental health days are important. Like all things like that. Absolutely. But um, you still like need to make sure what what are the priorities and what are not the priorities in your life, and that's I know that's a hard balance, um, right now, especially because I feel like just having like I mean like the the statistics right now of this pandemic are really sad, like depression and anxiety are just like up crazy, and it's very understandable. It's 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 hard to see, so definitely take time for yourself and take the days you need. Okay. Um, but I I think the biggest thing that helps me with what you're talking about. It's just knowing my priorities. And now I'll bring in like the difficult part of that. Like I I'm engaged personally and I made it, I made a decision. Same, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know about you, but like I made um uh, just a decision when I just, when I got back, when I got in a relationship with this, with this girl that I said, you know, as my life goes forward, like it's for me, it's like faith, family trumpet and like in that order. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a faith guy. Like, that's my thing. And then like, it's now like my, my fiance and like whatever family we have together. And then it's what I'm doing. And that's just how it works. Now, granted, I mean, like we're 24 and like we're 19 hours apart right now. So like, it, you know, I don't know if that's hypocritical, but like we both can still have careers for ourselves and go for our passions. Like this is my life, like playing trumpet, being a musician is what I'm passionate about. It's what I want to do. But still, like I, I, I have a good sense of what's important to me and that's that helps make the decisions and I'll, I'll tell you just for anyone listening out there once you like know like okay priority 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 everything else falls into place it's not it's not hard um i mean it's hard getting there but i'll i, I will tell you one of the biggest i feel like turning points i've made in my not just in my musical career but in my life is just understanding who i want to be and who i am and just what, what's important to me so that that really just helps make those decisions easier with what i was talking about and then it makes the little things like really easy it's like okay like i'm not gonna watch this game today. I'm going to go practice instead, or I'm not going to, uh, like, um, you know, maybe I won't practice an extra half hour today because I really haven't talked to my fiance a lot this week. I'm going to like, you know, do like a FaceTime date with her or something. So it's just all about managing your priorities and, um, knowing where you stand with them. And that really, that, that solves the problems for me at least. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate the fact that everyone can have their own list of priorities. It doesn't have to be in that order. You don't, Oh yeah. Necessarily have to have a family if that's not what you want to do. Like focus on your career if that's the most important to you. But yeah. still find ways to balance career out with different hobbies or different interests or even different interests within the the field. Um so you have that kind of diverse outlook on life and and the field in general. Yeah, I wouldn't be where I am. Like, I've been really into, like, psychology lately, and I've been reading, like, like I just, I never read this book, and I just should have. I mean, because that's another thing. Like, I just didn't read a lot, and I'm like, I want to read more. I don't want to, I want to, that hour I spent on Instagram, I don't want to do that. I want to spend that hour, like, reading a book. Like, I've been reading The Inner Game of Tennis. Um, been awesome. Like, like books like that, like, all about, like, the, the mental side of accomplishing a task or just living your life has been 
really inspiring. Like, I love that stuff. Like, I'm really, really passionate about, like, learning more about that. So, like, you're, you're totally right. Like, finding things like that. Like, I have a friend who here, he's, like, is super into poetry. And he just is really into it. Like, he goes to poem um, readings a lot. And he composes his music around a lot of poems, too. It's been really inspiring for his musical career. So, you're absolutely right. Like, I think it's almost, um, you know, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush. It's almost, like, necessary, in my opinion, to have some diversity in your life, you know, because, like, just doing one th- one thing of anything is probably too much. So, like, you're totally right. It's important to have some other things to do that, you know, just round you out a little bit. I, uh, when I was preparing to ask you about this kind of question, all I thought about was our um, public speaking class when that kid got up and made the hasty generalization that musicians don't like sports and that's all i all i thought about because we were both in that class and we're both diehard sports fans and it was just funny to me because it was like that is our interest outside of music you actually got me into golf and i'm still golfing now i'm about to go golf right after this interview awesome but golf is i'll tell you like golf is great and i and I, i one of the reasons that i actually don't do it more when i'm like and I have a lot of gigs. It's because, like, for me, golf is such like a mental game for me that sometimes it's not as much as a break from music from me because I just need to chill out. Cause, mm. But um, I like make me too. I brought my clubs down here. I've been playing as well. But um, yeah, I I had a whole like podcast episode about like sports and music. I could have another one. Like I've listened back to that and I'm like, there's so much more I could say about this. There's a lot to talk about. Oh my gosh! And it's and I'm happy. Like I mean, like I'm happy we agree on it. And obviously, it feels good to agree with somebody. <laughs> but I mean, it was just so divisive at times. Like it's like. Oh, like even like on the music side, people are like, oh, like, you know, who cares about like a sports game? And I'm like, a lot of people. Look. Okay. So here, here's my, here's my thing. Oh boy. <laughs> and I'm going to get so much, not that many people listen to this podcast. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to get so much flag from some people in the marching band realm because they're a lot of times the ones that don't like the sports, yeah. except there wouldn't be marching band at sports things if there wasn't the sport like yeah there's not that connection like i feel like they might come at you with like because like the dci is such its own thing well they have their own problems right now um unrelated to anything that we're talking about and we won't get into that so i don't even want to hear it from dci yeah, but you know, you're totally, and that's like actually what was kind of the uh, the theme of my podcast, well, which was like, you know, what's funny, like we have more in common than we than we like than we have not in common, and that that's something that's funny, like no matter what side of the aisle you're on, I'm like, you have to admit, like we we are more in common than like we than we have things like not in common, and especially because people generalize, like that's why it's like the athletics and the arts, and people consider us extracurricular activities, you know, in, in education at least. So, like, we're kind of in this boat together. And I don't know. Like, I just think it's ridiculous how defensive people get about on, – on any side of it. I'm like, guys, this is just, like, ridiculous. There's pros and cons to both. There's good things and bad things about both. Like, why can't it just be what it is and just leave it alone? But, exactly. yeah, we're, we're on the same page there. But, yeah, it, there's, like I, – I listened back to my episode. And I'm like, God, I could talk for another hour about this. There's so much about sports. I, I love sports. Yeah. I love my sports. Um, I actually almost didn't go into music because I almost wanted to go into like sports broadcasting yeah. and sports journalism. Um, but obviously, my passion is definitely within music, and especially within education. How do you so, feel about like the competitive side of sports? That's something I always find, that, and then that how it relates to music. Because I, 
you know, I, I'm not one for like, I, I don't think music is a competition. That's not the goal at all. But I think there can be competition aspects in it that can be good. How do you feel about like stuff like like that? I've always curious to get someone else's take on that. I think it's it's very interesting to think about competition in music because competition is music in music. I feel is so much more divisive than competition hmm. in sports. That's and that's just me personally because literally everyone loses in um, sports and. For the, I mean, for the most part, people are all right with it because it's just a matter of life and that sort of competition. But when we're in music and we fail or we don't get the seat that we wanted in an ensemble or we don't get the gig that we wanted that we're auditioning for or teaching placement or whatever, mm -hmm. we kind of go into the, well, I kind of suck. Woe is me kind of, I'm not good enough this perfectionism type mindset. Um, and I think for me in sports, I always found the activity of sport is so much greater. Um, no, not so much greater. It, it's, it's more freeing than the kind of stress that's put under in the music field. Yeah, because like you said, like losing is part of the the game of a, of an activity of a, of a sport. Like that's part. It's you know win or lose. Like it's just it's defined in the sport. Yeah, and I, it's different when we're talking about professional um, sports teams and and things like that because that's a business and that has billions of dollars into it, and that's a whole different discussion. But in terms of how we kind of think about sports is the amateur side of things mm -hmm. and how we think about music is the professional side of things. So I think sports are actually more freeing in the amateur um, side because it's just playing. And if we can have that mindset in music where we're just playing, we're having fun, we're having this, this kind of desire to get better. Yeah. And we're not so much focused on the competition side of things and we're going to, feel more successful later on well i think what you said at the beginning of the podcast was really cool and i've said this a lot like you said progress i usually say process like same thing it's just all about like your process or your progress and not the product that comes out and that's really what we're doing is about and i think um what also goes into what we're talking about is not misusing terms like i um i think we have a colleague like jess shuri has a blog a flu blog where she talked about perfectionism and i thought it was very well written um, I think the only thing I'll say about it is that, like, I think some, and, I, and she didn't do this by any means, but I think that we, like, confuse words like competition and perfectism and um, just, like, winning or losing. And we, like, we jumble them together. I'm like, no, there's different things. Like, there can be competition and not be a winner or a loser. Like, that's just how it is. Like, you're not a loser yeah, if you're like second that. chair and one is first chair. Like, cause they, and I think that's kind of the problem because we put, I don't know if it, I don't know where that comes from, if there's just a style stigma on like a placement or a number or whatever that is. But, you know, in every ensemble I play in, you know, you know, the, the third trumpet is as important as the lead trumpet. Like you can't have one without the other. It, it's yin and yang. It's a balance like that. Like you, we all need each other. And that's the, the case for a whole ensemble. You know, you, it doesn't work. You know, one person is out of the ensemble and it just, it's not going to work. And that's, you know, that's just how it is. So I, I think what you're saying is really true. And I, I think one of the big, 
misconceptions that happens, at least on the music side of it, is that we often like, I don't know if like stereotypes the right word, but like we like, we just put all these words together in the box, like competition equals bad equals perfectionism. I'm like, no, like it doesn't have to. Like, I mean, absolutely. We all struggle with perfectionism in some way, but that's different than competition. Like, you know, you, you wanting to place higher than someone in an ensemble is not perfectionism. Perfectionism is like, if I don't a hundred percent nail it every time, you know, that then I'm, then I'm a failure. And that doesn't happen in sports either. Like, that's kind of like my point is that there's no perfectionism in sports. Like, we talk about like bad teams win games all the time. Like, you know, there, there's Baseball a reason for teams... they, they good players miss seventy percent of the times. Yeah, baseball. If you if you hit a if you hit a ball three times out of every ten pitches and you do that for ten You're years, you'll be yeah yeah. Think about that. That's crazy. Like the whole sport is about failing. It's like, ugh, nuts. Baseball's easy. We should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, got a 30% chance. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I love this kind of conversation and I think we should, we should find a time down the road to, uh, to do this again after we've kind of done more podcasts and have more perspectives. Yeah. Um, so, but I just want to wrap up right now and kind of ask like, what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone struggling to make, uh, a career in their passion of music. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll keep it pretty general. Um, and that is just from, from keep your why in front of you. I think that's something that's always really helped me. And I talk about it a lot on my podcast, which is just keep your purpose in front of you of why you're doing something. Because I find that that's good advice for any step of the road. Cause it's really easy to lose it. Um, like early on when you're facing adversity, when you're dealing with that first, like what we're talking about, that first level of competition of like, oh, this person could be better than me. And then as you get older, it's like, oh, like, am I going to be able to make money with this? Or how am I going to pay rent this month? Like at any point, you need to keep your why you're doing this in front of you. And it, and that's allowed to change. So I'd say, you know, if you're struggling with your passion or just with the certainty of what you're doing, just keep your why in front of you. Like, it's like, okay, like I do this because I love this and it fulfills me. And this means more to me than you know being an accountant and like and, and that's the thing like if you say like you know what like i'd rather be an accountant because like i want like i like having that security i like doing this like it's okay to do that like i've changed that like i mean not to give like a mushy example but i did that with like my like with my personal life i said like you know what like i don't feel that my life is as happy without this person in it like i want to have a healthy relationship and i don't think my life is better with that person not in it and that's kind of how i where i got to today so i'll say that your why and your reason for doing something is allowed to change. And even the reason can change. It's fine. But, you know, if you're struggling with it and you can't seem to find your way, just keep it in front of you. Just, like, go back to the fundamental of why you do something. And that'll usually work it out for you. That's really been something that's gotten me through tough times. And I think the last little thing I'll say about it is that everyone has those moments. I, I really honestly, you know, maybe I'm, I'm open to meeting someone who hasn't, but I, I have not met, especially a musician that has not had that moment where it's like, you know what, this just isn't worth it. I just want to stop. I'm just, I just can't do this anymore. Like we've all totally been there. So, you know, you're, no one's in this alone. Like we're all in this together. And that's why we have these podcasts. It's just, just one to say that. Like, cause I feel like it's not always just said, but yeah, like we all have those moments, but if you keep your, your passion, your why in front of you, you'll, you'll be okay. Yeah. All right, Nolan, thank you again for, for coming on and sharing your perspectives and sharing your insight onto 
this career of music and how, how we kind of find our way through that. Um, one more time, go ahead and give a plug to your podcast. When does it come out? What's the title? Where can you find it? Absolutely. I am the host of the Music Student Podcast. You can find it on everywhere you can listen to a podcast pretty much. I think the only thing we're not on is like Pandora or something. I don't know. But like pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the Music Student Podcast by searching that or my name, Nolan Weibel. You can find me on Instagram at Nolan underscore Weibel. Um, you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Music Student Podcast. And you can email me at nolanweibelmusic at gmail.com. Awesome. And then you release every Sunday? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Every Sunday. And then right now I've been doing this thing the first Tuesday of every month, which um, is Trumpet Tuesday. So it's a podcast just dedicated to trumpet players that day. Awesome. Thank you again, Nolan. And I cannot wait to have more of these conversations in the future. Thanks, man. We could go on for a couple more hours just going through various topics in music and in life, really. But I was so thrilled to have Nolan be a part of this podcast today. I think more than anything, today's podcast is just an example of how we can start to have conversations with those uh, close to us about topics we might not think that we need to have and to foster an environment of respect and acceptance in our relationships and in our musical careers. If you want to hear more of what Nolan has to say about his perspectives in the music field, definitely check out his podcast wherever you get your podcasts by searching The Music Student Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening, and if there was anything that kind of stood out to you during this podcast or if you enjoy hearing these types of perspectives and stories, please share this podcast and consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts and follow on Spotify. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas for future guests on the podcast, feel free to reach out via Instagram at tyler.mead or email me at tcmusic.tyler at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone and be on the lookout for next week's episode of Music Educated. (laughs) 